0: hello and welcome to the homeschooling with technology podcast this is your host Meryl van and today in episode 187 we're going to talk about how to use movies in your homeschool and I have a guest with me who's actually my oldest daughter Rachel welcome Rachel thanks mom <laughs> So I invited Rachel to do this with me for three reasons. The first is, um, she's my daughter, she's now well, it's been many, many years since she was homeschooled by me, but uh, we did use movies a lot in our homeschool. So part of this will be a little bit of a trip down memory lane and reminiscing about how I used it with with our four children. Um, secondly though rachel is now the visual literacy teacher for funder funder academy who is the show sponsor i will have the link to that class in the show notes and anything else we happen to mention you can find those at homeschoolingwithtechnology.com so the visual literacy class basically looks at a lot of different visual literacy graphic no- novels um, uh, adverts etc but it also obviously covers movies and thirdly um, we're talking to Rachel because this actually is one of her many areas of expertise, uh, both that she studied at before she got all her degrees and now that she teaches. So I'll let her explain a little bit more about um, her expertise in movies. Sure,
1: yeah. So, um, my and for undergrad, um, I did a I went to film school and so I studied uh, I got a BA in cinema and media um, arts, um, which included. learning about how to make films as well as um, how to critically engage films Um, and then I worked in the industry for a little bit before realizing that I missed school (laughs) and went back to graduate school and I got a master's in media studies and then I went on to also do a PhD in media studies and um, what that means is I've studied all sorts of different media, um, films including, um, but also television. And a lot of the work that I do, the research that I do now is on on video games. And um, I currently teach, I'm an assistant professor of media studies at the University of Groningen, where I teach on things like movies and television and video games and digital. I do a lot of stuff on digital media as well, the internet. Um, So yeah, this is, (laughs) I live and
0: breathe all forms of of media um, in my work. Okay, so before we get into talking about movies, uh, and we're going to look at sort of specific ways of using them in your homeschool, do you want to just talk a little bit about movies versus documentaries?
1: Yeah, so before we're recording this, uh, we're having a conversation about how I've come to sort of this place where I I sometimes think it's actually more helpful to assign um, uh, sort of dramatized films as opposed to documentaries when it comes to educational purposes, um, and and when I say this, people are always sort of horrified because you think you know you think of a documentary as a, as a film that is, is intended for educational purposes, um, whereas a film uh, or sorry a dramatized film, fictional film is seen as something that we we watch for entertainment purposes. But I think it's actually if you think about the sort of mode you go into um, and the modes that are 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 um, that are informing how a person makes a film, one of the reasons why I think. Um sometimes when you go into a documentary, you let your guards down and you sort of just believe everything that they are telling you. And that's not necessarily um, unhelpful. I think documentaries are really informative and there's lots to learn from them. But we can sometimes forget that there's also a lot, a lot of times lots of different sides to the story. And depending on, some documentaries are very good at showing all different sides to the story. But When you go into watching a dramatized film, you know somebody is telling a story, which is exactly, actually, when you watch a documentary, the filmmaker is also telling a story and they are using specific kinds of techniques to make you believe them. Same way when you watch a dramatized film, uh, the person who's making the film is trying to make you believe what you're seeing. Um, They're using very similar techniques, actually. Um, But when you watch a dramatized film, you know, you know that, you go into it expecting that. And so I found sometimes, you know, this is where we were talking about our own experience, like with us growing up, is we would watch a, you know, a film about something in history or you know some sort of dramatized uh, story. Um, I mean, I keep thinking of when we watched Muses, <laughs> the the musical that turned into a film. You know, and then afterwards we all went and immediately were like, okay, so what was actually real and what was not? Because you know, going into it, that it was sort of a storytelling, and that they took some liberties, and you don't mind it because you know that's there to entertain you. Um, and I think, I think it creates a much better, more critical way of watching what happens when you watch a dramatized film because it forces you to really piece apart and think, and then actually makes you go back and like do more research afterwards and engage it. Um, documentaries also actually expected, they're designed to entertain as well, but we don't think about it in those ways. And so I think it'd be good too, when we watch documentaries to approach them as like entertainment <laughs> rather than as purely education. I don't know. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah, so let's just start unpacking this now in relation to specifically in your homeschool. And you kind of started with history, so let's go into that. Uh, as you well remember, that many a Friday night, we would sit and watch a movie based on what we had studied. Um, sometimes, I mean, obviously, my kids were oh, 10 years, or still are, <laughs> 10 years apart from the youngest to the oldest. So it didn't always apply to all of them. In fact, it never did. But when we could, we would try and have the history you know the, the younger ones were doing the same thing as as Rachel would be doing. And one of the things I think that was fun is it got involved my husband, their father in in the whole process <laughs> that when he was around and the movie sounded interesting, he would watch with us. and so that did help him you know know what we were studying. So I think that was just a completely. An, an extra benefit that was there but as Rachel said I, think,
1: I was just going to do, yeah. I think it was we started to associate you know the, the fun part of watching a movie we started to associate that also with learning and so it was fun to learn it was fun to sort of explore it was fun to be curious um I think right. those sort of associations are great
0: yeah I, I'm I'm glad because that was always my plan and again it's our plan to find the funder literally the fun in the name is is that learning is fun and so sometimes we would even just watch um, more the documentaries but we would even watch it during school time we just watch it chopped up um, you know in sort of smaller we wouldn't watch sort of you know an hour and a half documentary at a time and we watched dramatized versions and complete fiction we did a whole lot and as Rachel was saying we'd get to the end I wouldn't stop the movie in the midway and kind of you know that, that would break it all up it would be make it awful we'd wait till we got to the end and then we'd all be jumping on the internet and trying to find what was true and what wasn't true. And I still do this actually in my US history class. Um, I use Iron-Jawed Angels uh, as a movie, Um, just in case, as I mentioned, and I will just say there is a part that many of you would not want to show your kids. I actually use, there are versions out there that chop out um, one piece that is entirely fictionalized and not necessary to the movie. But it, it is a good movie. And at the end of that, that's exactly what I make my students do. Go and look and see what was correct and what wasn't correct and how the movie portrayed it. All right, let's move on to geography. Do you remember how we did geography sometimes? I mean, I remember watching a lot of Michael Palin videos. (laughs) Right, Michael Palin is great. So he does like one is called um, Around the World in 80 Days where he tries to go around the world in the same mode of transportation that um, Phineas Fogg used in the book of the same name. And uh, he tries to do it modern day and see if he can do it. And I won't spoil it for you <laughs> in case you haven't watched those, because those are particularly exciting. And he's got a whole lot of different ones out. Well, I remember we also sometimes we would just watch movies set in different countries when we were learning about the country, just to give a bit of the feel. Yes, that's for-
1: or, or movies made by... Uh, people from that you know so so f- films and documentaries produced by people from that region of the world right telling their own stories yes. which is like also a great way of of um, branching out from not just reading stories about people in other places but actually hearing them tell their
0: own stories which I think is really important right so we did we did that as much as we could um and then um the other way we used it we we're talking about this earlier was in English um I didn't use it as much as I think you can, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but what I did do was, especially for the uh, Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's English is hard to understand when you're just reading it, and, you know, every year that we get further from Shakespeare's time, it's a little bit more complicated, and his stories are fantastic, and so to actually bring it to life, I would, sometimes when we could take the kids to the live show, but otherwise, we would always watch the Shakespeare, so they could see what was going on.
1: I think my two favorite uh, filmmakers who adapt Shakespeare were um, Kenneth Branagh and all of his ones that were very bright and colorful and interesting and just really, really well acted uh, adaptations. And then I don't know if we ever watched this in homeschool but I encountered him in college is um, the Japanese film director Akira Kurosawa. And he would, because uh, he was looking at the similarities between the feudal system in Japan and the feudal system oh. in England. And he adapted a bunch of Shakespeare's into a Japanese setting. Um, and I love those adaptations too, because it also, part of you know, watching adaptations is it helps you actually more critically engage with the original drama and understand what Shakespeare was getting at in terms of sort of social commentary. Um, and watching Kurosawa take it and sort of apply it to a different culture forces you to start thinking about oh what is what is the commentary taking place? Why did Kurosawa make those different choices? Um, so I'm a huge fan of of, of Kurosawa's um, adaptations too.
0: Yeah, no, we definitely did not do that because now I need to go and watch <laughs> those two. There was yeah. another way though that I have um, I've seen people starting to you know look at movies, and that is looking at it in the same way as we look at literature. Um, And we didn't really do that. We just, we did a lot of reading, but I think especially if your child struggles with reading, obviously you can use audio books, but if you use movies and here's also when you can start using it in a younger age, even in elementary school, just whatever movie you're watching, start to explain things like foreshadowing, you know, when you can tell what's coming next, um, you know, you as an adult and you can start to, and that's when you maybe do want to pause the movie briefly and say, what do you think is going to happen? and see what they say and then when it does happen you can say well that was foreshadowing the fact that this person said this or a dark shadow passed over as they said nothing bad ever happens here or whatever it is and um you know you can start at that so when they, when they meet that in literature it's so much easier can you think of any other examples of what you can learn in yeah, movies? i mean
1: yeah, and I think it's I think this is where it's really important to not only learn these um techniques when you're reading books, but also to do them in film because they look a little bit different sometimes in film. But I think a lot of our society today is so visually oriented, we are constantly bombarded with, with you know adverts and images and and people, you know, it's so easy to get access to movies through streaming services. So helping your students learn how to to read what we call reading a film. Uh, when we say read, we just mean critically engage. It's, it's a critical literacy of, of being attentive to, for instance, how is color used? You don't have to worry about color in reading a book, but um, unless, I mean, yes, you do, I guess. So a, a writer will literally say something is red or not, but when you're watching a film, you actually have to pay attention and say, "Who? okay, you know, if you're watching, uh, uh, you know the the red keeps popping up, and you know that red typically means something to do with danger. You start to think through why is this happening? Is something bad about to happen? Um, but also not just the visuals, but also the sound. Being attentive to to what do you what do you hear? What do you not hear? What is the music doing? Um, and also being attentive to to props and and to settings and saying okay. Why is that object in the scene? It's, it seems to be the camera keeps lingering on this object. Why is it there? Um, I mean, there's just so many different things and that's why, I mean, you have, <laughs> I have the entire course I spy on visual literacy to teach looking for these various different things um, and learning how to to critically engage. But the same works, you know, you can take what you learn from studying a film and often go back to reading and then and start realizing to pay more attention to also the world that is being built by the writer, they just use different techniques. Uh, One has to use words, the other one has to use images and sound.
0: I remember one time when you must have been home from university and we watched some movie and there was a, a camera angle from like next to the wheel of a car. I have no idea what the movie was. I just remember you pointing out that the camera angle was so important. And yeah. it was, it was filmed like sort of from street level, literally, you were like, you could see part of the wheel in the shot. No idea what the shot was anymore, but I just remember starting <laughs> to become more aware of just things like that, the angle and and everything um, that's used. So yeah, Rachel, the tables were turned as you can see that, you know, I taught her originally and then she started teaching me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, a common thing that I see a lot of times in, in story t- visual storytelling today is the when you'll see a person's head or face in the middle of the screen, but it's all the way to, you know, they're facing the left and their nose is almost touching the left frame. So they feel kind of squished. Um, well, why did they do that? Uh, well, it's to make you feel like the character feels claustrophobic or squished or pinned in a, in a hard space and um, they're in a hard conversation or something like that. So we're looking to see where also, how do the, the edges of the frame interact with the character in the middle of it? Um, not just like, where is the camera, but where is the person in the frame as well? Um, things like that are also really important.
0: Mm-hmm. I also remember we just watched movies um, about really every topic that we were covering. I remember we watched art was, well, we watched and documented, but we also watched um, The Agony and the Ecstasy when we were studying uh, Michelangelo. Remember that. I remember watching with music. We watched the whole of Beethoven's Eroica Symphony. There is a movie that literally, unless you're already at college, but there is a movie that is talking about Beethoven. (laughs) But it's like part of his life. But during the movie, the entire I think it's the Eroica. I'm pretty sure the entire Eroica Symphony is played from beginning to end. And so it's it's actually a dramatized version of part of his life, hmm. but his music plays in the background. I remember that. And obviously, I yes. just remember, yeah, yeah.
1: I remember watching Amadeus <laughs> and oh, learning yes. about Mozart, yeah, and yeah. remembering how irritating he was. Um,
0: and I, remember, I think we watched Fantasia as well, Disney's Fantasia. We did, um, we did, we yeah. did, because that's got a lot of classical music in it, we did. We also, um, I'm trying to think, we didn't watch so much about scientists. I'm trying to think, but that's obviously another one you can watch, you know, um, movies set, um, you know, on scientists. I, I know there's one about longitude and latitude that we never actually watch, but I know there's one about that that's out there to how they kind of figured all that out. And it's just, you know, as Rachel said, we're going to end up when it's end up here, but it is a way of bringing fun into your homeschool and tying what they're learning to something enjoyable and easy for them to to deal with. And as we also said, you know, it's a way of starting to teach them um, visual literacy, which can also then translate into just written literacy as well and give them a better understanding of how authors are are using words, et cetera, to create different effects. Um, yeah,
1: I, I think I just adding here too, I think this is why it's really important that you don't use movies as sort of a, a babysitting device or as oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be involved in this. I'll just let the movie do the work for me. Um, You actually need to be participating and watching with your students, having conversations. Because for instance, something else that is, you know, I've noticed with a lot of films coming out that are are biopics, a biopic refers to a biography uh, film, films about somebody's life. Well, think about as a filmmaker, when you're going to tell a biopic, you really want to focus on all the most dramatic moments of a person's life that are going to show the best on screen. Now, that's still very helpful when you're teaching to learn some of these moments, but you you can't stop there. You need to watch it with your students. You need to talk about how did they, you know, what stories did they choose to tell? And then you need to go and ask your students, all right, go find out what stories about this person did they not tell? Um, and that's when, it you know, you start opening up much more um, conversations about the person. But it's really important to realize that you use something like a biopic as a a platform to begin the discussion, not as a way to sort of, you know, oh, here I have a free hour in my day and I can go do something else. Um, Watching with and together is really important.
0: I don't think you ever watched a movie that I wasn't present or at least dad. I think dad watched a couple with the boys that I wasn't there, but we did. We really did. And that's what the whole point of homeschooling is, is that you are schooling the kids, you know, and being part of it. So even if you're not, even if they're doing curriculum online and you can still add this in and this can still be a way where you can um, influence and, and talk things through with them and be part of what they are studying. Well, thank you, Rachel, for joining me today. Thank you. Great to be back. And I uh, look forward to seeing all the rest of you again, um, some, same time, same place next week. And if this episode was useful to you, we would love it if you would share it uh, on social media and give us a rating and review on whatever podcast player you use. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermeer.